Hello, and welcome to the Chaos Publishing Podcast, helping you make your mark in the tabletop gaming industry. My name is Miles Ratcliffe, games designer, co-founder, and director of Chaos Publishing Limited. Today, we invite Henry Jasper onto the show to discuss the importance of building connections and networking within the industry. This is episode one. Let's say hello. Hi, Henry. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Mark. It's great to be here. Okay, if you could just introduce yourself, uh, talk a little bit about Griven Games and what you do. Yeah, sure. So my name is Henry Jasper. Um, I run Grublin Games, which is a board game publishing company uh, based in uh, right down the bottom of Cornwall, which is right down the bottom of the UK and miles away from anyone else. Um, we uh, launched in 2013 uh, with our first game, Cornish Smuggler. Uh, we followed it up in 2014 uh, with our game, Waggle Dance. And uh, we currently have um, a project on Kickstarter for uh, metal RPG dice called Terrorless Dice. Okay, so what got you started? So I've kind of always been into board games, but kind of specifically found Euro games, um, I would say, probably at the beginning of the noughties, and then kind of played pretty consistently and pretty heavily from there. Um, I was one of those people who was quite late to go to university. So when I was at university, I um, was doing a, a maths degree, and I realized that there was this real kind of correlation between board games and um, maths. And um, at some point during that kind of process, um, the idea of publishing and designing board games kind of crystallized. And then that kind of stayed in my head for about three more years, I would say, um, until I finally kind of got the courage together to um, actually do some feasibility analysis on this and trace kind of supply distribution lines, um, market size and demographics, and really wanted to get an idea of how how the games industry works and how a publishing company would work. Okay, so there's obviously a lot to research into, and so what help did you get along the way? I mean, this episode's about uh, talking about the importance of connections in networking industry, so mm-hmm. who did you reach out to, to to start with? Yeah, sure. So um, to start with, um, I um, very to start with, um, I was just talking to retailers. Um, I was talking to... Um, loads of people who weren't even slightly engaged with board games and um, yeah, kind of weren't really kind of into kind of that kind of side of things specifically. So weren't kind of like niche enthusiasts, I would say. Um, and that was very much about business advice, about how to structure things, how to go about things, what kind of approach um, I should take. Um, in terms of board games more directly, um, so I talked to distributors. So um, I talked to Asmodio, I talked to um, SDVM, um, I talked to Gigamic. Um, and then from that, it was all from Facebook and, um, and Twitter and just kind of seeing what other people have already done and said. So I was really kind of nervous in some ways about kind of talking to people directly um, because I was worried that they wouldn't take me seriously, I think, um, or um, I'm not really quite sure um, why. But yeah, probably just because I was a bit scared about it, actually. So to start with, I was rubbish at networking connecting and... Ever since then, I've been kind of working quite hard to uh, try and improve on this because I think it is actually one of the most important kind of parts of this whole industry. Exactly. I get that entirely. I mean, when I was starting, I was very naive just going into the industry. I just dived straight onto the forums on Mm BoardGameGeek.com. I didn't even know they existed to begin with. Before that, I just reached out to companies like Rio Grande Games and Fantasy Flight Games asking how they got started and if they had any advice, just help me with my project 
which I was designing a board game at the time. Yeah, so, sure. And that really just sent me on another path just to realize the vast amount of games which are out there. Uh, how did you go about introducing yourself to these companies and getting them to take notice and give you some advice? Well, yeah, this is the thing. I found that the, the larger the company was, the, less, the harder it was to actually kind of be able to get to talk to someone um, because I think just because they're, they're busier, it's kind of different structures and things. So um, as you were saying, kind of like Board Game Geek was an absolutely perfect place to um, get information and uh, looking, kind of looking online now, um, there's so much more information than there ever was um, because I think there's a lot of people who the whole idea of kind of like having the agency to be able to just go and start your own publishing company um, and kind of give it a go um, is out there. So the people who have been really successful at this um, have done a really good job of kind of telling everyone else how they did it and what they've done, which I think is partly kind of why they're so successful. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's so many resources out there and there are so many people really pushing to just help everyone in the community. And that's what I like about the board game community as a whole, because everyone is just so welcoming, I find, whether it be on Twitter, just all social media and particularly like various conventions and events that I go to. Is there anyone you would highlight in particular which really does this well and really does this outreach to help people in the community? Um, yeah, sure. Um... I think there's there's a number of people who really kind of stand out. Um, so I'd say uh, James Mathe from Minion Games. He um, runs a, a tabletop and a Kickstarter advice kind of group on Facebook, um, which is incredible. Every time I see this guy post, it's I'm always kind of mildly in awe. Um, also, of course, someone like Jamie Stegmaier. Um, I think any kind of conversation about the games industry um, nowadays would be incomplete without kind of mentioning him in some way as well as, I would definitely say, uh, Daniel Solis um, and Ed Barath, both of who are kind of much more on the, on the indie side of game, uh, game development, but they're very vocal and very open uh, with every kind of aspect of their experience within it. Each one of these people has um, done a, a really good job of not just kind of the publishing side of things, but also the um, kind of online um, kind of expression of how they've done it and what they're doing and leaving that completely open. Um, I agree with you. It's an incredible um, industry starter. Talking about James Math, you can find all the people that have been involved in the Facebook groups that he's been set up. You've got the Card Board Game Designers Guild, which just has thousands of people on there just voicing their opinion. There's the Tabletop Game Publishers group as well, and there's so many out there to really promote. And as well as that, Jamie Stegmeyer as well. I've just spent hours going through his material. You'll... Uh, respectively, you'll find James Math content at jamesmath.com and Jamie Stegmeyer's blog on Kickstarter you'll find at stonemadegames.com. Uh, so all of that's based on online presence. How important do you think social media is in connecting with people? Yeah, okay. So I think um, from, from, from our point of view, um, because we're geographically very distant from pretty much the rest of the UK, um, not even to mention kind of Germany and America, we wouldn't be able to do what we've done and what we do do uh, without social media. I think it's all part of the the kind of um, the way our entire kind of distribution system is kind of changing um, and has done certainly over the last decade. So um, seeing kind of Kickstarter as a as a mode of kind of um, engaging not just kind of like buying products but being able to kind of help design and really kind of uh, connect with. Without kind of Twitter and without Facebook, we wouldn't be able to do this. So um, I would say that's essential. 
yeah, it's particularly important just to get that out outreach and just connect with everyone around the world as you say geographically it's hard to connect with the people around america and particularly get involved with all the connections out there i mean as a design as well it's crucially important as well not to just play test in our own little design groups it's about getting the outreach out there to yeah, around america around the world just so we can get our designs of the best that they can be I mean, I'd say the, the other side of this is, because we're kind of talking very much with a kind of like industry focus, mm. um, is the other side of this is the kind of like non-industry focus, the fact that all pretty much all of my interactions with people nowadays kind of happen over the computer or over online. Um, so when we go to a convention, so like with the Games Expo, um, uh, when we go to a convention, we actually get a chance to meet with people face-to-face. -face. This is absolutely vital. Um, it's also kind of like with the... The fact that we're um, tabletop um, as an industry is kind of so heavily kind of geared towards crowdfunding at the moment. You, the fact that your your point of doing this is to engage directly with the people who are buying your games, so that you can kind of like you get the chance to be able to kind of like fine tweak what your game is, so that it's it's more marketable, kind of almost like a proof of concept type thing. Um, but from their point of view, they get to engage and kind of dictate the shape of where the game is going, maybe with the artwork, maybe with like mechanical design side of things, and maybe with components, which means that the whole industry is much more kind of closely tied up within itself. So it's not mm -hmm. so much like a them and us in terms of like publishers and, um, and players. It's kind of everything kind of harmonizes in this way, which is just really, really nice. And I don't see that with any other industry. Um, and I love it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a very close-knit community. I mean, I could see that in various groups like in music, there can be a very close-knit community, but that's very local. What's mm -hmm. different about the gaming industry is that it's very close-knit community, but it's worldwide. Yeah. Uh, you can go to an event in America, go to an event in Europe. You've got the same same people going there. You're going to meet with, with the same publishing companies. You're going to meet with the same people, reviewers. Uh, although... Some people can't make it to the, in America, can't make it to gaming events in Germany and vice versa. But it, it's still the same case that it's such a close-knit community and whether you're talk, talking with anyone, everyone's just so passionate about games and voicing mm. their opinion that it's such a great thing to see. Yeah, it's really nice. It's, I know that if I can, I can walk into any game shop in the world and um, I will instantly be able to connect with someone just because we have this shared language, um, which is board games. Um, and the fact that not everyone has this, that it is like a little bit niche, um, makes it almost like some kind of like secret club. I love it. Yeah, really can't get enough, enough of it, actually. Yeah, so particularly when we go into these conventions, what, what do you find works best when actually introducing yourself to people? Okay, um, that's a good question. Do I have, like a, do I have an intro line? Um, I don't have an intro line. Um, I, I smile, I say hi. If I, someone I know, I always shake their hand. Um, if it's someone I don't know, um, I never ever introduce myself as like Henry from Grubbling Games because it then kind of turns into a different thing. I don't want that to be that. I want it to be, I think kind of like, I want it to be like a, a more a more real, a more honest conversation. When we play board games, I don't think it's so much about the game that we play. I think it's about the connection that we have over the game, so with the game acting as a medium. And I think one of the reasons why board games work so well is because you're able to kind of have this conversation with someone on a completely different level than you do if you meet them in the pub, if you're having a chat with someone at a bus stop or meeting someone on a train or, or anything like this. I think board games kind of allow you to kind of slip into this kind of different place 
and have a much uh, a more complex conversation, which is more engaging and more rewarding. That's what I kind of go for um, when I'm meeting people at conventions. Um, if it's during the show, it's it, it's more about kind of just saying hi and trying to kind of like um, uh, get some kind of idea of who they are so you can connect with them. If it's at the end of the day on the show, it'll be always about trying to play a game with them or about someone wants to play a game with you. And I, I like that a lot. Yeah, exactly. After... Uh, a good long slog just going going through and daring our games to people and meeting everyone through that we, we, do, we still just want to play games afterwards don't we I mean you have no idea um, <laughs> um, for the Surface Top Day event um, at the beginning of April so um, we went up to Plymouth uh, for an event up there and the idea was to to like kind of get people to play test and all this kind of thing and to be honest I'm, I'm it's so kind of rare that I go to a convention now and end up actually being able to play games. So like at Essen, you're just non-stop. It doesn't, it doesn't stop. Um, you don't get to play games. And the time when you do get to play a game, you're so tired because you've been on your feet talking and demoing all day. With the games expo, it's not as bad. Um, it's a bit more relaxed. Um, and you do have a chance to actually kind of be able to um, uh, play games in the evening. Um, so with the tabletop day one, I was, I was kind of, we're on the train going up. And I was just like, do you know what? I just want to play games today. I don't want to do anything else. So um, that's what we ended up doing. And it was lovely. It's really, really nice. And that's what I want to talk about, actually, the difference between conventions and how we go to approach each one differently. Because, I mean, Essen particularly is a very it's a very tough weekend in terms, in terms of being able to be on the stalls all the time. And it's yeah. it, it's very, very hectic. And I mean, it's, it's great experience and great to get out there and just meet everyone. But it is a very busy show. Uh, the UK Games Expo is quite different to that. It's a lot more relaxed. It's, mm -hmm. There's a lot more freedom. The trade shows aren't... Uh, open as much well it's it doesn't exhaust you as much at least anyway yeah. and and then that's again quite different from trade shows in like Nuremberg in which it's very much an industry show and we're a lot of people are just in their suits and yeah. It's, yeah that was weird wasn't it there. wow I never expected that when I went to Nuremberg um but uh yeah everyone yeah everyone's in suits um I need to stress a little bit smarter next time possibly um I think with you're right. It's about Nuremberg's about meetings, and it's about meeting people and um, trying to yeah have meetings either either to get kind of like um, a distribution deals or publishing deals or however or whatever. Maybe it's advertising, maybe it's collaborating. Um, with Essen, um, Essen last year, I had 72 meetings in two days, and I'd left. I put all my meetings for the last two days because um, I was on the booth for the first two days, and that was just insane it was like um running around from one place to the other place to the other place to the other place but it worked really well so we managed to kind of like uh secure we got really really lucky with waggle dance um it's very popular and um we managed to secure distribution in pretty much most kind of places in the world which is ace um but with the games expo i think with Essen, it's because it is literally the entire games industry is in the same place at the same time uh, with the uk games expo it's not like that it's the uk games industry um, there's some kind of aspects of Europe, of the European industry, which are there, but um, and a little bit of the American, but not majorly. And kind of when you get down to, so if you're at a smaller show, something like, say, um, Dragon Days or Bacon or um, anything like this, then that's not about meetings at all. That's about meeting with, um, with players um, and hopes about selling some games and um, that kind of side of thing. So I, the focus definitely does shift. So when you do go to booking your meetings, how do you schedule them in, and how do you introduce yourself through emails or? Yeah, um, it'll, well, 
I think different people kind of like, like to communicate in different ways. So some people like phone calls, some people like emails, some people want to just do text messages or Facebook. Although you don't, I've not had myself any meetings of text really from the start. Um, normally it's just an intro um, email. Um, I'll send an email. I'll say who I am. Um, I'd say something about them. So um, something that they've done which I've liked, um, or something that I think is quite impressive that they've done. That kind of thing. Um, and then suggest if they're free for a meeting, suggest a time. And then there's normally about two or three emails to sort out times. Um, and then I put everything on a Google Calendar on my phone and make sure to change the time zones if it's in a different country. Um, so that I don't. And then it's just my phone that dictates everything that we do, which seems to work well. Hmm. Yeah, you said so. You, for the last two days of Essen, you said 72 meetings, was it? Yeah, 72. Yeah, so I mean, how how do you go about scheduling that and fitting that all in? Because I mean, that's that's quite a rush, isn't it? Yeah, seriously, Google Calendar. Um, it, it's just you can you can fit it all in, and it's okay. So, um, with Essen, I had meetings from I had breakfast meetings from half seven in the morning all the way until um, beer meetings um, at like 10 o'clock at night. It was like round every single every single day of Essen was incredible, and that's not including the press stuff on on the first day, um, and yeah, that kind of thing. Okay, so when do you start actually reaching out to them to begin with? Okay, that's a good question. Um, with Essen, I would, I would look to have all the meetings that I want to do. I would look to have an email out by the beginning of um, September, so about a month before. Probably a little bit earlier, actually, because Essen keeps on getting bumped back a little bit. So probably around about last week of August, I would say. Um, so that's about, what, five, six weeks? Yep, so that allows a good amount of time to make sure, I mean, because again, it's quite, everyone wants to be booking meetings during that time, uh, but you don't want it to be too close that everyone's already fully booked. Yeah, I I know that I'll get a flurry of, um, uh, I'll get a flurry of kind of meeting requests, certainly within the last two weeks before SM, um, and it will be quite busy then. So I try and kind of leave kind of blocks of time which are where I'm free. But last year I had to be on the booth as well which is problematic, which is why everything kind of got crunched to two days. Um, and I think next year I can't do that again. So um, I'm going to have to be doing, well, this year I'm going to have to be doing more meetings and less booth time, which is annoying because um, I really, really love being on the booth and just talking to people. It's kind of one of the things I really enjoy about Essen and about any convention, actually. And would you just reach out to everyone you can, or is there a particular people you basically look to to like, schedule your meetings? Well, yeah, okay, so um, in terms of kind of like which meetings uh, we wanted for Essen, uh, they were very, very targeted. So um, it was about securing distribution in different areas, so um, in different regions. So it was very much kind of like finding the distributors in those areas, contacting them directly. In fact, actually for that kind of side of things, we um, contacted them a lot before. We actually contacted before the Kickstarter happened. Um, and then kept on contacting people and kind of reminding until we we had people um, starting to kind of respond and we found that we'd got through to the right person, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, I'm just thinking about this. Um, when we were talking earlier and we were talking about kind of James Math and Jimmy Stegmaier and all this kind of thing, and I'm like, oh, man, I wish, like, we're terrible at this. So if you look on our website, we don't have anything like enough content, this kind of thing. And the reason for this is because there aren't many of us working here. So there's myself um, and we have two other members of staff and we're both part-time and there's only so much that each person can do. So I think if there was a scattergun approach of just like, let's talk to everyone, it wouldn't be possible to do that. Because I mean, also, what if people actually, everyone said, yeah, that's great, let's meet up. And I wouldn't be able to fulfill that. 
and I'd be letting people down and that would not be a cool thing to do. So um, I think the more targeted it can be, I think with everything, it's the more planning you can do beforehand and make something better. So with scheduling meetings at conventions, um, it's what do you want to get out of that convention and then who would be the best person to speak to to make that happen, I would say. Okay, I think that's summed up quite well. So, I mean, going back of what we've covered over the show so far, what, how would you summarize the key points when it comes to making your connections and building up those? Okay, um, I would say um, don't be scared to do it. Um, that's the first key point. I would say second is make sure it's a targeted approach. Make sure you plan properly. Thirdly, um, recognize that other people have other lives. So if they don't get back to you straight away, don't worry about it. They're just probably busy. Just send another email later and say, hey, did you have a chance to look at this yet? Um, and you'll know pretty quickly then whether people actually do want to meet with you or not. Um, definitely, definitely, definitely use all the resources you can. So social media without a doubt, board game geek without a doubt, um, the really kind of vocal um, people who are publishing about how everything works um, and really kind of sharing their insight, definitely, definitely um, read all of those and then send them an email and say, hey, um, but yeah, I would say those are the key points. Yeah, so just be involved in the community. Everyone's just really welcoming. And if you've got a question, just don't be afraid to ask. It's particularly like as a games designer, going on the game design forums on Borking Geek. There's mm -hmm. so many questions being asked every day and the amount of feedback going on there, as well as on all the Facebook groups. Uh, just seeing whether it be the reviewer group or whether it be the game design group or the publishers group, they're all very active and everyone's just wants to be a part of it. There are so many blogs going around, everyone's creating some great content. So if you've got some uh, great content to share and you can bring some to the table, just share it and get yeah. get involved. That's what I would say. Yeah, I would totally agree with you. I mean, I think kind of like an ideal kind of version of my job at the moment would be where I don't have to do anything else apart from design games and talk to people online. I would love that. Um, that would be really, really nice. Um, so the more of that you can do, the better, I would say. Okay, I think that's been really good. Thanks for your time, Henry. Okay, cheers, Miles. So your terrorist campaign is still ongoing. So when, when does that end? And can you tell us a bit more about it? Okay, so uh, yeah, so terrorist is our... Kickstarter campaign that's running at the moment. Um, that ends on the 3rd of June. This is for a set of D&D &D and RPG dice. Um, so either as a full set of seven or you can buy them individually. Um, we're offering these in a whole range of different finishes. So everything from brass, copper, silver, um, all the way through all the colored versions, um, and all the way to gold, palladium, and ruthenium, which um, never seen ruthenium dice, really wanted to. The, uh, the whole campaign is, uh, we funded really, really quickly, so within the first day and a little bit, I think, actually. Um, so we're on stretch goals now, um, and what those stretch goals are, are to unlock more colors, um, new dice designs, this kind of thing. But everything is being uh, led by uh, the backers, so we're asking questions all the time about what, what do people want to see, um, and we're really allowing those their responses to dictate the direction the campaign is going. So we have these at the UK Games Expo. And um, if you're listening before the Games Expo, then please come to our stand and have a look. Yeah, we'll both be at the UK Games Expo of the weekend. That should be this weekend, uh, tw 29th to 31st of May. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to be at the Games Expo and we're going to be searching for the perfect dice rolling hand model. So we have prizes um, and uh, all we want to do is just film your hand rolling some dice. So um, if you're up for that, come and find us. and. Um, win some gold dice, I think. Hmm. 
Okay, so thanks, Valerie, for being on the show. We've definitely had a lot to cover through that. Hopefully, that's all been very interesting for all you listening out there. Uh, if you are at the UK Games Expo, please feel free to introduce yourself and build those connections. Uh, you'll meet Henry at the Grimm's Games booth in the King Suites, booth number one. And I'll be in the playtest area in the Monarch Suite. So feel free to just to draw eye, tap me on the shoulder, say hello. If you have any questions or ideas for topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes, guess you would like to be on the show, or if you'd like to be on the show yourself, please do not hesitate to email me at miles at chaospublishing.com. You can also find us on Twitter at chaospublishing or on facebook.com forward slash chaospublishingltd. On another note, as a games publisher, we are currently on the lookout for new games to publish. If you are a games designer and have a game that you would like to see on the shelves, please review our submissions policy at chaospublishing.com and send us an email. I'll then give it a look over and provide you with my honest feedback. Thank you for listening to the Chaos Publishing Podcast. My name is Miles Ratcliffe, and I hope to catch you again on the next episode. Mm -hmm.